0: Good morning, chapel. I'm super excited to introduce our summer missions to you guys today. But before I get into the details, I want to reflect on the text in Matthew 28 for just a little bit. I'm going to preface this by saying, Jesus was just crucified and resurrected. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary had gone to the tomb and come across the angel of the Lord who said that he had risen, and that he'd gone to Galilee, and for them to go and tell the disciples. I would assume he's speaking of the 11, maybe even a broader group that had closely followed Jesus before the resurrection. But we're going to start in verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. They had come to Galilee. Galilee was the central point of Jesus' ministry. So it was a familiar place to them. When the disciples saw him, they worshiped him. In verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth had been given Has been given to me. So Jesus, the first thing he does is he expresses his authority because the last time they seen him, things didn't look so good. They looked a little bit bleak. Jesus had been crucified. They'd lost their friend and their brother who they'd been following. And he lets them know hey, it's finished. It's been done. I've conquered death, hell, and the grave, and all authority has been given to me. Let's read on. Go, therefore, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and behold, I am always with you to the end of age. Let's go back. And observe all that I commanded you. That word observe translates to obey. So he's telling them to go. He's telling them to make disciples where? Because we're making disciples here. We're making disciples in West Florence. Our church, the mission of our church is to make disciples. But he says to go into all the nations. That means they have to leave the uncomfortable, the comfortable place, the, the familiar place that they're in, in Galilee, and go somewhere else and begin to disciple people. That's the call of not only the disciples. That's the call of the believer. In our modern-day church, in our comfort We want to think that, you know, missionaries make disciples. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to go. But he actually is telling them all, hey, it is your call. The call of the believer is to go. And because of that, we want to be an obedient church. We want to walk in the principles and precepts of Christ, not just the ones that make us comfortable. So I'm going to challenge you guys that as we have some missions opportunities coming coming forward, let's lean into these things. The only time that you can activate the great commandment and the great commission simultaneously is on the mission field. The great commission is to go. The great commandment is to love your neighbor and love God. When those come together, that's on the mission field. So you're going to have an opportunity on July 8th through 15th. We're going to go to Guatemala. We're partnering with Hands of Hope Ministries, our really good friends and mission partners who we support really closely, Eric and Amanda Hunt. We love their passion. We love what they do. We're going to have some exciting partnerships with them coming up. But one of the things we got to do when we were in Guatemala recently is we went into the villages And some of the villages, you know, they had churches and they had pastors that we got to support. All of the villages had people who had major needs, the biggest need being the gospel. But there was one village called Alastiero, and that village immediately grabbed my heart when we got there. And I thought, man, like, what can we do here? They didn't have a school. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a pastor. And disciples... uh, the. Amanda and Eric had been struggling to get an in in this village. There was a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold on this village. We had a great conversation with a man who they look at as the chief of their village who had been struggling with alcoholism but used to be a pastor. And we had a very moving conversation. And from that conversation was a huge step for Eric and Amanda in their ministry because they're able to now freely move into that village that's a village we're going to heavily focus on so for this trip coming up i'm going to ask you for three things i want a hundred percent participation this is the call of the house i want a hundred percent participation in this trip i know all of you can't go some of you physically are incapable of of going some of you are you know have plans or obligations already set in stone that week but we can all participate in 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 these three ways one If you can go, I want you to lean into it. Come with us on this trip. I think this is going to be the first of many in Guatemala, and I really believe we're going to make an impact and we're going to give an opportunity to to walk in the Great Commission. Uh, Two, if you cannot go, I want everyone to consider being involved in this trip financially, Uh, whether you sow $10 or you pay for someone else to go. If you'll consider, you know, and and if you need to ask the Lord, you can ask the Lord. He's going to tell you yes, I'm going to tell you. So (laughs) I I want you all to consider being involved financially into sowing into this trip. There are so many people who would love to go, and they're just not sure how to fundraise. Uh, Help them go. And three, I want all of you to pray. Pray for us as we go. Pray for us as a house as we continue to kind of get a vision for what God wants us to do in Guatemala. But last, pray for Elastiero. We're praying for this village. There's a lot of lost people in this village. And we're just praying that the Holy Spirit would go before us and do a work. I love this scripture in, in Matthew 28 because the angel of the Lord tells Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, he says, Jesus has gone before you. He actually told them to go tell the brothers, go to Galilee, but that Jesus had went before them. The last thing that Jesus says in verse 19 is, behold, I am always with you. So he's reminding them as he's commissioned them to go, to go in his authority. So again, the dates are July 8th through 15th. Uh, We will meet for missions training at 6 o'clock Every second Wednesday of each month. It's not going to be overbearing. Just uh, we'll have some training on the second Wednesday. You should be here on Wednesday nights anyways. Shouldn't be inconvenient. But I would love to have you with me. It's going to be a powerful time, a powerful trip. And uh, thank you.
1: Give her a hand real quick. Take with you. And if you are, have questions, uh will be out in the lobby in between services. You can ask her any questions you want to um, regarding Guatemala. And then um, if you want to register, you can register. The Church Center app has that also on the website as well. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11 as we continue our Moving Mountains series. Hebrews chapter 11 will be in those first few verses. Uh, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, and the older I get now, a couple years is like 15, 20 years ago. Uh, Years ago, the kids were young. Toy's parents wanted to go to Disney World, and take the kids. So we went to Disney World the week after Christmas, which happens to be the busiest week of ever in Disney World. I'd never been to Disney World before, and so literally you could not move. You were just like cattle scooting through Disney World. And one of the things that I really liked about Disney World, besides nothing, the one thing I did like was they had this 4D theater. This 4D theater it was, you come in, there's theater seating, that kind of deal, and uh, this movie's going on, but if at one point, like, Mickey Mouse slides this pie out, and you got 3D glass, and the pie comes right in your face, and you get a whiff of apple pie. Another part, like, Donald Duck falls into the water and splashes. You get splashed with a little bit of water. And another part, like, he flies out of the screen past your eyes, and then he's hanging out the back of the wall. It's like it's really cool kind of multi-century experience. And then since then, you've seen things like virtual reality and all these things. It's almost like as people were looking for something in another dimension because we're bored with this dimension, or maybe deep down inside we realize there's more to, to life than just what I taste, smell, hear, and feel. Maybe there's more to life, and I, and I will tell you that that you know, there's three dimensions of life. That if you if you go through geometry, you have up and down, left and right, in depth or height. But they also say there's a fourth dimension, which is time. But then we have a God who's outside of all four of those dimensions. A God is not an up or down, left or right, height or depth God. But he's also not restricted by time. And so whether you realize this or not, that everything you see, there's a realm or a layer behind what you see that is currently more real than what you're looking at right now. And when you realize that there's an unseen realm that affects what's happening in your everyday life, when you realize there's a supernatural rim or an invisible rim that access, that if you could access it, could affect this life, it would change the way you see things. And one of the reasons we don't is because we get so distracted by what's in front of us, we lose sight of the influence behind those things. Jacob, when he was running from his brother, he was laying down in Genesis He's laying down and he has this vision. And in this vision, he sees this ladder from earth to heaven. And on that ladder, there's angels coming up and down the ladder. They're taking prayer requests up and they're bringing blessings down, up and down this ladder. And when you realize there's a ladder in the room of every single believer. That when you pray, there's literally spiritual activity that's moving up and down this ladder. When you pray, it's not just a voice going up. Angels are literally taking your prayer request up into heaven. And in return, angels are bringing them back down. In the book of Daniel, we see that he prayed and it took 21 days for his prayer to get answered. And when it finally came, the angel said, we heard your prayer on the first day, but it took us 21 days to get past these, these evil spirits, these demons that were fighting with us so we wouldn't get the answer to you. When you realize that there's spiritual resources in the supernatural, invisible realm that you have access to, when you realize there's spiritual blessings that are in the invisible realm, not the visible realm, it will change the way you live as a believer. But the question would be, if there's an invisible realm, how do I access it? If there's all these spiritual resources, like your, your blessings aren't physical, they're spiritual. And so if they're spiritual, how do I access them? Well, pastor, you know, you know I'm in a financial situation. Like I, I need some financial uh, turnaround in my life. Well, you know what? That starts in the spiritual Ram. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm dealing with addiction. I'm dealing with this. You know, that starts in the spiritual realm. So, how do we access that spiritual realm? How do we access that power that's in the spiritual realm? How do we access those blessings that are in the spiritual realm? Through faith. Touch your neighbor and say, through faith. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their accommodation. And by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, not by hands, not by evolution, but by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. New King James says this way. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The Jerusalem translation says this. Only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for. Or prove the existence of the realities that at present remain unseen. What they're saying is that faith is a supernatural thing. It's not just a doctrine or an idea or a thought. It is supernatural. He's saying it taps into that which is not seen. In this scripture in Hebrews, there's chapter 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12. In chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews is addressing the Hebrews. They're they're on the verge of giving up. They're on the verge of quitting the faith. They're struggling. He says, don't neglect meeting together and encouraging one another. They start struggling with with tribulation and persecution. And he says, listen, don't give up on your faith, for with it comes a great reward. And he's trying to encourage them. Then he says, okay, I'm trying to encourage you to stay in the faith and endure through faith. Now, what is faith? He says, now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Then he goes through all these heroes of faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, uh, Moses. By faith, then he goes through Rahab. By faith, Sarah. By faith, he goes through all these heroes of faith. Because the Bible is not a a story. The world looks at the the, the, uh, hall of fame, but the kingdom looks at the hall of faith. So you can be faithful and not famous, but many times you can be famous and not faithful. And he says, these are the heroes of faith. Then he gets to chapter 12. He says, now now you need endurance for your faith to maintain. And he starts walking them through what faith actually is. And so faith is, is the most absolutely important thing about you. It's the most vital substance, as the writer says It's a substance. It's the most vital substance you have access to. Not your crypto, not your 401k, not your house, not your equity, not your job, not your career, not your gold. Your faith is the most valuable substance you have access to. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without it in Hebrews 11. It says the righteous shall live by faith. Meaning, if you're righteous, you're living by faith. If you're not living righteously, it means you probably don't have faith. It says, without faith, it's sin. And it goes on and on. In Jesus, in Luke 18, says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? It's the most important, valuable thing about you. It's how you tap Into that invisible realm. It's how you tap into spiritual blessings. How you tap into the promises of God. It's how you tap into spiritual resources. How you tap into spiritual power. It's the most important thing about you. But in our day and age, faith is the last thing we talk about. We just want to talk about how to live our best life now. You can't live your best life without faith. So what is faith? What is faith? He gives this really deep definition. You know, some theologians say faith is being sure of what we hope for and being certain of what we don't see. Tony Evans, one of my favorite Bible teachers and preachers, says faith is acting like God is telling the truth. It's just acting like God is actually telling the truth. The best sermon ever preached is read the word and do it. See, faith is acting like when God said that Jesus is the only way, living like he's the only way. Faith is acting like when Jesus says, to tithe even your mint and your deal, and then you do that, he protects everything else from the the thief and the the evil one, and what I call swiper, no swiping, that you act like he's actually telling the truth. Faith is when Jesus says that you're an overcomer, that you actually live like an overcomer. Faith is when he says that you can move mountains, you actually live your life like you can move mountains. Faith is when you actually believe and live like Jesus is telling the truth. Which means if you're not living it or acting it it means you don't actually believe him. Which means you're not actually walking in faith. And so faith, one other person, sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Martin Luther in the 1500s said, faith is living, daring confidence in God's grace. It is so sure and so certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand plus times. It's this daring confidence that what God said is true, and if what He said is true, I can lay my life down for the promises of God. And so it's not a matter of if you have faith, it's a matter of where your faith lies. Like, it's interesting, you could, we could talk to people at the altar and say, hey, just have faith. Put your faith in Jesus, put your faith in his word, put your faith in his promises, and they won't put their faith there. But if they have a headache, and they call their doctor and say, hey, doc, I got a headache. This headache's been going on for about two, three days. And you're not fasting. When you fast and you get rid of your caffeine, you have a headache for, it seems like, four years. So I have this headache, and he'll say, hey, well, you know, go, go pick up some aspirin. At the pharmacy. And by faith, you will trust that the doctor actually knows what he's talking about. By faith, you will get off your couch, get in your car, spend way too much in gas to drive across town. To go get some aspirin at a store, you'll put down $3.36. You're sowing money by faith into this aspirin. You'll get the aspirin, you'll take that aspirin by drinking a glass of water from Florence Utilities, which you don't know which is safe or not, so you're putting faith that the water's safe. You'll take the aspirin, and in faith, you're believing that it's gonna make you better. Some people put their faith in the lottery. They'll go play the lottery. By faith, they believe it's, they're going to win and it's going to benefit them in the loan. By faith, you go to your job expecting that if you work, you'll actually get a paycheck. By faith, you'll go to the stock market and invest your money. By faith, by faith, by faith. We all have faith. The question is, where do we place our faith? The question is, where do we place our faith? So I want to give you four quick definitions in this scripture of faith that I believe when you see them, it's going to change how you live your life. Four quick definitions. The first thing Paul says is now faith is a substance. A substance, meaning faith is so real that he calls it a substance. It's not an imaginary theory. It's not a philosophy. He's saying it is so absolutely real, it's a substance. And the Greek word for that actually has this meaning to it. That it's used, the same Greek word they use for faith, the same Greek word is used for the foundation of a house. This same Greek word is used for the title deed for something. The same Greek word is used for the documents that show ownership or possession of something. So what he's really saying is faith is the substance that your hope, whatever you're hoping for, sits on whatever this substance is. He's saying it's the title deed. One theologian translates the scripture this way. He says faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Aristotle used this word over and over again to describe that which stands under anything, such as a building, a contract, or a promise. Meaning, your faith is the substance. It's the foundation, the firm foundation. It's the rock. It's whatever your hope is, your hope has to be built on something. And your hope for a better tomorrow The hope for your marriage, the hope for your kids, the hope for your career, the hope for your ministry, the hope for whatever it is you have hope for is founded on something. The scripture says your hope should be founded on your faith. And your faith is the rock. Your faith is the substance. Your faith is the title deed. Your faith is the ownership of what you're hoping for. See, faith is is how you take ownership of things in the spiritual realm, but how you possess those things is through obedience. Meaning, I take faith of territory in Guatemala. I take ownership of territory by faith. We take possession of it by actually putting our feet to the ground and going to Guatemala and sharing the gospel. You take ownership of spiritual blessings by faith. You take ownership, you receive it by faith, but you take ownership of those promises through obedience. The Hebrews were delivered by faith out of Egypt. They took possession of the promised land through their obedience. See, your faith is how you grab a hold and it's the hope in which you stand on, but you take ownership by the promises and the possession by obedience. See, faith is, is a current reality. Hope is in the future. See, I have faith today for what I'm hoping for tomorrow. See, hope is what I'm dreaming about tomorrow. It's what I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Hope is what I'm praying about tomorrow. My faith, it's what it's built on. See, you can't have hope tomorrow if you don't have faith today. If you just dream, if you're just hoping for something with no faith attached to it, your hopes shatter every time a new storm comes. See, and I think what is beautiful about the scripture is substance It's I'm not the substance. My strength is not the substance. My health is not the substance. My mind is not the substance. My feelings aren't the substance. My emotions aren't the substance. My circumstances aren't the substance. My situation is not the substance. My marriage is not the substance. My family is not the substance. My bank account is not the substance. The substance of my hope that is built on, is not me. The substance of faith is Jesus and Jesus alone. My origins and my faith, I don't have to stir my faith up. I don't have to try to receive some, some type of faith. My faith is built, it's originated, its roots are in Jesus. In and any hope you have it is focused on some substance. My, mine, mine is on Jesus. So the substance of my faith is in Jesus. And what that means is, when, when, I, when I see Jesus high and lifted up, when I see the promises of God in Scripture, when I see who he is in Scripture, when I see who he is through worship, when I experience his presence, that's what fuels, fuels that substance, that strength, that foundation, so then I can have greater hope. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with faith is that our view of God is so small that our faith is small. What that means is, if, if my hope is built on the substance of my faith, which is Jesus, the bigger Jesus is to me, the bigger my hopes get. The smaller God is, the smaller my hopes get. But as I increase my view of God, as I increase my perspective of God, as I increase those things, my hopes get bigger and bigger and bigger. My prayers get bigger and bigger. My dreams get bigger and bigger. Why? Because the substance, the anchor point, the title deed, the possession, all those things are rooted in Jesus. Tozer said it this way, one of my favorite authors said, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, but a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. Meaning, when you talk about your problems, it means your God is small, but when you talk about your hopes, it means your God is big. So what are we trying to do here? We're trying to increase your view of God. Worship, we're trying to increase your view of Jesus. We're trying to increase your view because the bigger God is, the bigger your faith gets. See, a little faith in a, in a significant substance produce great results. But a great faith in an insignificant substance produces no results. I'll say it again. A little faith in a significant substance produces great results. But a great faith in an insignificant substance produces no results at all. That's why Jesus said, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, the scripture last last week, that if you can move mountains, if you just have the faith of a mustard, why? A small faith in a significant substance produces great results. But just because you have great faith in a lottery, it still produces very small results. You have a great faith in the government of the United States or the president of the United States or the House of Representatives. or the That's great that you have great faith, but it still produces small results because it's not about your faith. It's about the, what your faith is built on. It's what your faith is built on. So the more significant the substance, the greater your hopes. It's so if you're having problems praying, it's because the God you're praying to is way too small. People say, Pastor, you know, I know we do a prayer meeting, but, you know, I, you know, I can't really pray beyond two, three minutes. It's because you're praying to yourself. When you're praying to yourself, your prayers are just like, God, you know, God, just bless his bunions. I'm praying it doesn't give me high cholesterol. God, God, I just pray for my family. Just bless my family. Just. And do you think that God is some southern traditionalist grandfather who's just there to make you feel better about yourself? But when your view of God is bigger, you realize he's not some old grandfather is just there to coddle you and give you some candy every once in a while, that he is this king of kings and the creator of the universe, that if he created your body, he can heal your body. If he created the universe, he can shift the universe to bring blessings and miracles in your life, that he's the father of all fathers, that even though you're broken, you feel unloved, he can pour out love upon you, that when your view of God changes, your prayers increase and you grab a hold of things that are much bigger than just you. Hope is founded on a substance. That substance is faith. Like one of the, one of the things I read years ago about faith was the, the American zoos, they'll bring in impalas. Impalas are deer-like animals from Africa. They'll bring them in. And these impalas can jump over 30 feet high in the air and over 30 feet long. But they'll put them in a zoo in a wall that's only three feet high. Right, so these animals have this incredible potential. They have this incredible gifting that they could jump 30 feet high and 30 feet long, but they're entrapped by little bitty three-foot walls. And the reason for that is they won't jump anywhere where they can't see where their feet are going to land. I feel like most of the American church, even us, even myself, we are like these impalers. We have so much potential on the inside of us. The church has so many possibilities that are available to us. We have so many resources spiritually that we can tap into and we can jump 30 feet high and 30 feet long, but we're held down by three foot walls or even maybe just the size of a cell phone. That we can't see beyond the news, we can't see beyond our emotions, we can't see beyond our phone, and we're not willing to step out and trust that if I jump, that God is there to catch me. See, your substance has to be that no matter where you go, if God says to go, he will make sure he takes care of you along the way. So faith is a substance, but faith is also an evidence. So a substance is something firm. It's something you can, you can set something on. You can build something on. But an evidence is something you can see. If a substance is something you can stand on, you can feel, then an evidence is something you can see with your eyes and you can see spiritually to see kind of what God is doing behind the realm because it's an evidence. Thomas Aquinas in the 1200 said, faith has to do with things that are not seeing, and hope with things that are not at hand. And we live in a world where seeing is believing, but in the kingdom, believing is seeing. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and walk by sight. I tell you, you just look at America. If you just live and walk by sight, you will be a they will, they will pull you over and give you one of those sobriety tests that nobody can pass anyway. You will be trying to Hold one foot up. I can't stand with one foot anyway. They'll have you saying your ABC's backwards, which no one in America can do. And they'll be, sir, we pulled you over because we thought you were drunk driving. No, sir, I'm just following the news. No, sir, I'm just following social media. No, sir, I'm just, I'm just living by my sight. And your eyes will lie to you. Your, lies will, your eyes will deceive you. And in the kingdom, you're not called to live by sight to live by faith it means I may see physically but I see better spiritually then when I see something on the news I see the influence behind it when I see certain things happen in my family I see the spiritual influence behind it I've talked to all my kids they'll go through a season or situation I'm saying you're looking at it through your eyes but as your father I see it behind the veil I see something spiritual you're just seeing a friend that's, that's trying to get you to do certain things I see a spiritual influence that's trying to attack our family You see, you know, a loss of income. I see the enemy trying to take what God has already promised you. See, your eyes can lie to you, but your faith will never lie. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. See, faith is seeing spiritually instead of seeing naturally. And if there's one thing you take, it's this that you can see things as they are or you can see things as they are. In a day and age of Photoshop and video editing, everything is lying to you except for Jesus. Everything. And you can make the choice. To either live by what they place in front of you or live by what God places in front of you, which is his word. And I make a choice. I want to live and walk by faith, not by sight. See, the world connects through the five senses. Your, your hearing, your eyes, your touch, your smell, your, all those things. You're like That's how the world connects with everything. That's why that 4D theater in Disney World, they're trying to connect all five senses. Because the world thinks that's a great experience. If I can use all five senses, that's great. But in the kingdom, you connect through faith. And through faith, you begin to see the world for what it truly is. And now, and I'll tell you, it's hard to, it's hard to build your faith eyesight. Now I am blind as a bat. You take my contacts out, none of this church is empty. None of you are here. I would get my eyes checked, I had to get a new prescription. I was telling Toy, I was like, babe. I was like I know I'm getting old I'm getting bald I'm getting fat I'm getting more blind she's like what do you mean I said I took my contacts out I'm sitting in the chair they said can you read the top of this chart I said I know it's at E but I can't see it they said sir how many fingers are you holding up I said hopefully it's not just your middle finger I have no clue like I'm blind right so Toya knows that, that if I wake up in the morning and I can't find my glasses we're dead if somebody breaks in the house we're all dead So, what do they do? They say, certainly, they start putting these lenses on, say, A or B, one or two, three or four, and they start trying to put lenses, what? To correct my eyesight. Spiritually, we all have bad eyesight. That's why we get saved. We were stumbling through life. We are stumbling through righteousness. We are stumbling through pleasing God. We're stumbling. And it's like we're just searching for something. We think we can see, but we're really blind. And so Jesus, when we get saved, he corrects our eyesight by giving us a lens, which is the lens of Jesus, to begin to see life correctly. That he used to be a sinner, but now I'm a saint. He used to be unrighteous, but now I'm righteous. He used to be the, the tail, but now I'm the head. All these things. He begins to change your eyesight. And when he changes your eyesight, now you can see the promises of God instead of the doubt and fear that you're facing. See, naturally I see fear. Naturally I see doubt. Naturally I see sickness. Naturally I see worry. Naturally I see anxiety. But faithfully, I see the promises of God. See the story. You see the story with Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, two of 12 spies that Moses sends to the promised land. The promised land God had already promised them. They've been traveling for years to get to this promise that God promised them. These 12 spies go in. They see the blessings of God. They see these grapes are bigger than anything they've seen before. It's taking men to carry a cluster of grapes on poles. But then other men see that there's giants in the land. And when they come back, 10 of the spies says, it's just like what what you said. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's some of the grapes that we brought back. It is an incredible land. The promises of God are great. The freedom of Jesus is great. All these things are great, but, touch your neighbor and say but. See, when you lose sight spiritually, you begin to look at everything through doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, and that you're not good enough. And all of a sudden they said, but there are giants, the son of the Amicalites and the Nephilim are there. There's giants there that we cannot defeat. And Joshua and Caleb rise up and said, no, 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 yes, there's giants there, but our God promised us this land. And look at the grapes, look at the milk and honey. See, when you have spiritual eyes full of faith, you see not the giants, you see the blessings. And when you go into the, the promised land, even though there's enemies there, you come back and you say, listen, yeah, there's giants there, but the grapes are bigger than the giants. The grapes are bigger than my anxiety. The grapes are bigger than my doubts. The grapes are bigger than my fear. Spiritual eyes focus on the blessings and the promises and the power of God instead of how I feel. That's why you got to walk by faith. Because if you don't walk by faith, you know what you're walking by? Fear. Doubt, worry, and every promise fades into the background to the giants. See, faith is seeing spiritually instead of naturally. But it's also faith is more than that. How do you obtain the things in the supernatural? So if there's this realm of, impo- of possibilities if there's this invisible world, supernaturally, that's out there, that we, that we know is out there. Because in Matthew 18, Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What he's saying is, there's this connection between the supernatural and the natural. There's a connection between the invisible and the visible. There's a connection between God and heaven and earth. How do you obtain the stuff that's in the supernatural world? How how do you access that? How do you you connect? How do you receive those promises? And he says it right here. Now, faith is a substance. It's the foundation of things I'm hoping for. But it's also the eyesight of the things I can't see yet. And by it, by faith is what he's saying. He says it all throughout the rest of scripture. By faith is how you get it. By faith, by faith, by faith. Meaning that faith is the currency. of the kingdom of heaven. You know, toys I'm about going to Guatemala, wherever you go on earth, there's a currency for that nation. If you go to Haiti, it's the good. If you go to Mexico, it's the peso. Wherever you go, there's a currency. And that currency is the legal tender of what you exchange to receive what you want. Here, if I want to buy a cup of coffee, a bad cup of coffee from Starbucks that's nasty and burnt and smelly, did you give them $17.36 US dollars for a bad cup of coffee that just supports liberal causes all over the world? But if I was gonna go to Haiti and get a cup of coffee and had US dollars, I'd have to exchange those US dollars based on whatever the exchange rate is for goods. Right, so every nation in the world, every kingdom, many times, whatever nation you go to, they have a picture of the president or ex-presidents, or the kings, whatever it may be. The, 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 the currency is the, the tender. It's what you exchange for what you want. Every kingdom has that. The kingdom of heaven is no different. Just in the kingdom of heaven, the currency is not physical. The currency is Faith. Your faith is the currency of heaven. Your faith is the currency of the kingdom. Your faith is what you exchange for what you want in the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews 11, 2. For by it, by faith, the people of God old received their commendation or their promises. So by faith, I pay for it. And then I receive it by faith. What did I pay for it? I paid for it by faith. I know this. My kids continually will ask me, hey, Dad, I need some gas money. Now, they've learned, as they've gotten older, they'll say, hey, King, like, what you doing? Like, I love you, Dad. You've lost so much weight. I love your hair that way. Like, they'll butter me up and they'll say, hey, by the way, Dad, like, I love you, Daddy. Like, I need some money for gas. And so I'll use Cash App to transfer a currency from my bank account into theirs. In the kingdom of heaven, you can't transfer a currency from one person to the next. Jesus says this to, to the Pharisees. He says, you think that because Abraham is your father, that you have access to all these things. He says, even these stones could cry out. Being your daddy was a preacher, your daddy was a deacon, your daddy was a Southern Baptist director, your daddy was a missionary, your grandmama was a saint, whatever it be, doesn't mean squadly. What's the next word for that? Squadly, whatever the next word is for that. Because you can't borrow money you can't borrow currency. You can't borrow faith from somebody else. That's why with, with your kids, you want to give your kids your faith. You want to give them what you believe. You want to indoctrinate your kids, which you can try to do. But they have to develop their own faith. They have to get their own currency to get the things out of the kingdom of heaven. And the, the way that works is in the world, you use your works to get things. You go to your job, you work, they give you money. Now you can exchange that currency for what you want. Religion does the same thing where you you try to work to get God to do things. Well, You know, I need need God to save my marriage. We'll start going to church every Sunday. And maybe that will, well, you know, we'll start giving an offering. We'll start tithing. Maybe that will get God's attention to help us. God does not work based on Works. That's what TBN does. You send us enough money, we'll give you the blessing of God. That's not how God operates. The world operates through works and through money. The kingdom operates by faith. And the exchange happens like this. When you go to the store, there's a transaction that takes place. You tell them, if I go to the store and get a Coke Zero, they always ask me, is that all you want, sir? And they're like pointing at all the tobacco products. I don't want anything but this Coke Zero. But the person next to me saying, well, yeah, I'll take some of that. I saw a dude buy a pack of cigarettes the other day. It was $8 and some odd cents. I'm like, you are going broke and dead at the same time. What is happening is there's a transaction that's taking place. There's a transaction where they're using currency to make a transaction to exchange what they have for what they Want. In the kingdom of heaven, it's the same thing. Our transaction is prayer. Prayer is how you make a transaction between you and heaven. A prayer is how you make a transaction between you and God. And the currency you use is faith, you pay for it by faith. So prayers, when I go into prayer, I'm saying, God, I need you to do this. God, God, I need you to move in my family. God, I need you to move in our region. God, I need you to move in our church. God, I need you to move my, my kids. God, I need you to move my body. God, I need you to move in my mind. God, I need you to do X, Y, Z. Prayer is a transaction, but what God expects to make that happen is for me to show and give faith. Many times, the reason your prayers aren't answered is because you're not praying them in faith, you're praying them in hope. And hope has to have a foundation, has to have a substance, and that substance is faith in the God, in His character, in His ability, in His authority, and in His goodness, in His faithfulness. Then my faith is built on that. If you go into prayer and you leave the same way you went in, you didn't pray, you talked. Because prayer is a transaction. When I go into prayer, you ask, why, why are we always trying to go into prayer meetings and do prayer? Because I need you to make transactions. I need you to realize that changing in your marriage happens through transactions spiritually. I need you to realize that the things you want to see change in your life happen through spiritual transactions, and they happen by faith, and by faith is how you receive them. See, when you go into prayer, if you, whatever burdens you have, he so says you cast your anxieties, you cast your burdens onto God. When you go into prayer, you're laying down, you're casting, you're, there's a transaction, you're exchanging your burdens. You're exchanging your anxiety. You're exchanging your fears. You're exchanging your doubts. You're exchanging your worry. You're exchanging your sickness with Jesus himself. And by faith, you lay it down. And by faith, when you exchange it, what you receive instead is healing in your body, peace in your mind, joy in your heart, power in your spirit. There's an exchange that happens. Prayer is a transaction and an exchange. And some of you need to realize that you've been praying traditional religious prayers for way too long. It's time to stop blessing your food and start doing business with God. Because it's a transaction. Why? Because every single Thing in the kingdom of heaven is received by faith. Does never say by faith? Not by works, because then anybody could boast. Not by good, good job well done. Not by religion. Not by doctrine. Not by knowledge. But only by faith. Everything, everything, everything in the kingdom is received by faith. Martin Luther in fourteen hundred said this: God our Father. Has made all things depend on faith, so that whoever has faith will have everything, and whoever does not have faith will have nothing. I say it again. This is in some modern languages, and in 1483, God, our Father, has made all things depend on faith, so that whoever has faith will have everything. Whoever does not have faith will have. Nothing in the world you receive everything by how good you do your job, but in the kingdom you receive everything by faith. That's why Jesus, when he said he saw people who were sick and they got healed, he said, "According to your faith." Why everything is received by faith. Everything. He said, "Well, pastor, like what about salvation? Don't you get?" No, no. by faith you are saved by grace through. Faith, you are saved. Or by healing. Well, according to your faith, you're made whole. Everything is received by faith. Therefore, you have to make sure your faith is increasing to grab a hold of what God wants for you. Here's just a few of them. By faith, we have access into God's grace in Romans 5, 2. Through whom Christ also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. By faith, we are saved from our past sins in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. By faith, we are redeemed through Christ's blood, receiving forgiveness of sins. Romans 3, 24 and 25. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. By faith, we are justified and reconciled and made right before God. By faith, we are raised into a new life in Christ through baptism with Jesus. By faith, we receive the Holy Spirit, the infilling baptism in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3:14. 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. By faith, you become God's children you're not starting that way by faith you become a son or daughter of the most high god by faith christ dwells in our hearts in ephesians three seventeen that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love by faith our hearts are purified and cleansed and acts 15 8 9 god who knows the heart acknowledges them by giving the holy spirit purifying their hearts by faith by faith, we are sanctified and set apart. By faith, we receive what we pray for, Matthew 21, 22. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing in faith, you will receive. By faith, we expect and experience miracles. Matthew 17, 20, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move for nothing will be impossible for you. You, by faith, we are healed. Acts three sixteen. In His Jesus, in, in Jesus' name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. By faith, we are filled with joy and peace. Romans fifteen thirteen. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, which is the same word as faith. By faith, we overcome. The world. First John five four. And this is the victory that has overcome the world: our faith. By faith we inherit the promises of God. Hebrews six twelve. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. And by faith we are kept by God's power for salvation. First Peter one five. Who are kept by the power of God through. For salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Everything, 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 everything in the kingdom of heaven is received by faith. You start in faith, you maintain in faith, and you survive by faith, and you overcome by faith, you live by faith, you walk by faith, and you're an overcomer by faith. It is the currency in which you obtain everything. Every single promise of God. If you want to see your mountain moved, you see it moved by faith. And what is faith? It's not something I stir up. It's this substance. It's this foundation. It's the title deed to what I'm hoping for. You say, yeah, well, I don't have that yet. Yeah, but I have the title. A Toy is uh, Dad had passed away earlier this year and he gave RJ a vehicle. We had the we had the vehicle, we were working on the title. We had a title, and sometimes you have a title to something, maybe you have a title to your house, maybe you have a title to your car, maybe somebody you have a title, but the car hadn't been delivered yet. Maybe the car hadn't been driven yet. You, you have access to it because you have the ownership. The ownership, the title shows that you possess something. And so some of you have to realize you've taken ownership of some things by faith, but you haven't seen them come to fruition yet. That doesn't mean God is delaying you. Sometimes there's, there's this gap between faith and possession. Sometimes there's this gap between you grabbing a hold of something in faith and you seeing the promise fulfilled later on. By faith you receive it. And in time you will possess it. My encouragement for you, some of you right there in the middle by faith you're standing, you're believing for a son or daughter, you're believing for healing in your body, you're believing in in something from God and you're by faith, you're standing, you're believing, you feel like you received it, but you're waiting for that to be fulfilled. I will tell you, stand in faith, stand in it, walk in it. And at some point you'll see the promised land. Even if there's giants in the promised land, you will see the promises of God come to fruition when you live and walk by faith. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes just for one quick second. I'm going to dismiss in just a second, but I don't want to leave this room without giving everyone the opportunity to to start 2023 with with a new step in the right direction. That's talking about salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith alone by the grace of God, his goodness, his mercy, his love, his blood, his work. He gives us an opportunity to start a new life, a new beginning, a new journey, a new reputation, new dreams, new hope, new purpose. That happens through faith, believing that he who promised that is faithful to save you the repenting of living your life by sight so you can live your life by faith and confessing your sin to Jesus, that hey, I've rebelled against you. I've been doing my own thing. I've been going my own direction. I've been my own king, my own Lord, my own savior. And now I realize I need you to be my Lord and savior. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been working on you. Maybe you're here this morning because you're you're trying to start 2023 out for the new New Year's resolution. Well, I'll tell you, God is not into New Year's resolutions. He's into new people. So maybe if that's you, you know, maybe you want a fresh start, new beginning. That's how you get in the kingdom of heaven. By faith, you receive what Jesus gave you. And you repent, you confess, and you begin walking with him this day forward. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Not going to have you come forward, anything like that. If that's you, I just want you to publicly confess by raising your hand so I can pray for you and then put you in the next round. Say, that's me. Just slip your hand up real quick. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Put your hands down. I'm going to pray for those of you who just raise your hand. But if you can do me a favor, as soon as service is over, if you swing through the lobby and connection point, just let them know, hey, I said that prayer. Hey, I raised my hand. They have some a free gifts, some great resources to put in your hand to help you. Because we believe it like this. This is not the end of a thing. It's the beginning of a new thing. We're going to walk that out with you. But, Father, we love you. We bless you in this place. We thank you that you are such a great and amazing and faithful and loving God. For those that raise their hand wanting a new fresh start, Father, I pray it's not a new year's resolution, it's a new them. That you wash them with the blood of Jesus, cleansing them of all unrighteousness, giving them a new conscience, a new spirit, a new life, a new purpose, a new journey. Father, I pray that they make you Lord and Savior of their life. They begin to follow you step by step from this day forward, every step. the way so we bless you we thank you in Jesus name and all God's people said amen